to episode 64 of Penny Red. Um, you will be pleased to know that I'm joined today not only by Epidai Rivershaw. Hello. And, but also by Vincent and Meg Baker. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing just fine. So I thought we'd uh, kick off the show. Um, we've got a lot of sort of ground to cover in a way, but before we uh, get into that, let's uh, just see what's been going on for you guys in the last couple of weeks since I spoke to you, Epi, and then Vincent and Meg. It's been, I think it's probably been just about a year since I last spoke with Vincent and about nine months since I spoke with Meg. So let's go with Vincent first. What have you been up to, Vincent? What have I been up to? Oh, my God. Well, that is a very fair question. I've been goofing off kind of a lot. Good. <laughs> it's good for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you, Meg? What have you been up to? Um, <laughs> I went to EPI, on the other hand. Yes. This is how it works, right? We trade off. Vincent says he's been goofing off for uh, kind of a lot because what he's been doing is holding things together while I spent most of the last winter, uh, right. just January, February, March, working um, with the girl effect doing game design for girls in Ethiopia. Right. Um, and that's been a big chunk of what I've been doing lately. Right. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I've read a little bit about it on G+, but I, I had difficulty getting a specific handle on it there. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll be brief because we could talk a whole bunch about that some other time. <laughs> um, Oh yeah, for sure. I worked. I went with uh, uh, Jess Hammer and uh, John Stavropoulos to Ethiopia um, to work with teenage girls there, designing games for social change. And we had great support from uh, uh, Julia Ellingbo and Julia Barbano and um, Elizabeth Sampat. And it was very, you know. It was an amazing thing, um, really seeing on the ground the effect of uh, role-playing games and other sorts of social interaction games uh, to be effective for social change and nice. self-expression among girls who need it. So, great, awesome. that's great. Would you be happy to talk about that another time? Because that sounds oh, sure. like a... Uh, excellent. Okay, well, let's let's uh, pencil that one in for some time in the not-too-distant future while it's all still fresh in mind. Last couple of weeks for you, Epi? Anything in particular? Uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've uh, been over the past maybe 24, 48 hours seriously trying to tackle uh, my Swords Without Master problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because it's a game I wrote before I realized how to write games. <laughs> now right, I got to fix right. it. Right, um, right. Which we'll get into a little bit with the topic mm. of the show, I'm, I'm sure. assuming. So. Awesome. So, Swords Without Master. Okay, all right. So, um, so nano games. I thought we would uh, kick off the nano games section of the show um, with, you know, what is a nano game, or at least what is a nano game um, uh, to you guys? Uh Keeping in mind, of course, that people can interpret it whatever way they like, but it, it certainly evokes a certain um, style of design or maybe even some design constraints. So go ahead, Epi, tell us. Uh, we were getting ready to have an argument before before the show, and then Epi said, no, I'll save my argument for later on. So put up well, this, is, this is my, my definition. <clears throat> as far as I know, um, in our particular subculture or whatever, Vast and Starlet is the first of the nano games because uh, I coined it a nano a <laughs> nano game and I did that because it was small 
right. and that sounded like a sci-fi game, right. <laughs> which is what it was. And that was that was my entire intent with coining that term. I wasn't actually. Uh, let's just say a lot of people have poured different intents into that as since then. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, oh, that's a. Uh, that's strange because you're kind of on the. It's interesting to be, um, sort of the the author of a term which has now taken on a whole sort of niche, and then into. And I know that maybe you don't want to get too into it, but I'll, I'll press you. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, how does that feel? And 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 what do you what do you think about it? Well, I, I mean, um, I, I'm excited about that. Like, so when I wrote Vast and Starlet, I didn't know what I was going to discover about my own process. Uh, until it was done and uh, when it was done I mean uh, Meg and Vincent can tell you what I was like (laughs) the day after (laughs) where I'm like (laughs) something (laughs) happened here Um, and uh, so I'm super excited and I'm glad that there's a word for what I want to talk about Uh, but um, I also know that I can't control the word and you know I'm not going to make any attempt there but like um so it's out there. It's just kind of frustrating because it's something that uh, um, that uh, that you can see people pouring their anxiety into, and mm. I I just want to hug them, and tell them <laughs> it'll be all right. It right. this is nothing nothing to be uh, angered or upset about. Yeah, it's just it's fun. Sure, and just for those that missed the first episode uh, where we talked about Vast and Starlet, uh, what was it originally that forced it to be a small game? Like, there were some physical constraints as well, right? Oh, yeah. It was – I was trying to make a business card. (laughs) Right. And uh, I'm no good at at making business cards, but I I have some – some experience making games. So that's what I did. I made a game the size <laughs> of a coy of you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so so much humility. <laughs> okay. And then so tell us, so when uh, when Epi uh, came to visit you with the half his head hanging off and his brain pulsing, <laughs> uh, Vincent and Meg, like what was that uh, like? And, and how did, was he, how well was he able to sort of like put into words what it was that he'd uh, wrought? Oh, it was his, awesome. Uh, he, 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 showed up and it's like I did a thing and we looked yeah. at it and it was like this this is cool <laughs> like, at first we're like that's really cute Epi and then we start <laughs> to look at it and he starts to talk about it and like he says it's not something to be anxious or angry about but like my my <laughs> stomach's falling out <laughs> you know I'm I'm like Oh crap, Epi! Wait, Epi! Epi! Stop! Wait! Wait! Stop, yeah. Epi! This is not. This is not what we do. Stop! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like the reverse. I'm like this is awesome. We can make tiny games for tiny places and tiny bits of right. time. Right. I'm all over it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am now too. But there was definitely this this moment of vertigo when I figured out what Epi had done. Mm. <laughs> Are, are we allowed to swear on this show? I can't remember. Of course. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Vast and Starlet came out and, and we played it. Um, and then what did you guys immediately go, well, I'm going to have a, have a run at this as well. I mean, is a nano game a really accessible way for people to start? Or is it a case of you've really got to distill what it is that you know about games before 
you know, putting a, a, a nano game that will actually work uh, together. True. I think both of those are true. I think that on, on one hand, just a second. <laughs> no, go, go, go. <laughs> on one hand, when, when Epi said, I did this thing um, and we played it, I'm like, this is really cool. And the way that that, that works, Vincent and I walk away from that inspired. You know, Vincent, mm-hmm. he's like got the pit in his stomach inspired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I can cool. do this too. I want to do this. It wasn't. And so on one hand, yes. On one hand, there's a way of going, wow, this is cool. I want to distill things that I understand about games and um, questions about design and uh, little laser pointed scalpel focus on this particular bit of mm. how I want a game to be. That's all true. Um, so in the part where it, it does be a distillation of your, of your craft and your gaming design experience. Also, there's low stakes. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, if you set out to design a game and I watched this happen with Marshall Miller, um, if you set out to design a game and you think that a game is, um, a uh, 400-page solid, eight and a half by eleven hard, and you th- that's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And your game yeah. idea may never yeah. come to fruition. But if right. you have the range of possibility, like I could design a game that's 480 words. Right, right. What? Yeah. I, I could give that a shot. You know, yes. if I could maybe try that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> and go. <laughs> I, I totally agree with everything Mike just said, of course. <laughs> and um, what what that means, what that means is that, like, yes, it absolutely demands um, discipline and rigor in your craft. Yes. It absolutely demands that um, to to express an idea so concisely mm-hmm. and so perfectly. Um, but also, we all have those ideas to express. Mm. Um, none of us is incapable of designing a game. And so what it demands is something that y- you can rise to, anybody can rise to, um, right. if you have opinions about role-playing, which we, we all do, being gamers and being having, having some design impulse mm, sure. um, means that what it is is a test of your discipline and a test of your, your craft, um, right. not... But but it but it's not uh, anyway. You see what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the thing there is that um, the discipline angle is a big part. Um, we talk about in you know panels and other things we do. We talk sometimes about the whole sort of kill your darlings thing and where you have ideas and you have to cut out what doesn't work and things right. like that. Um, and there's ways in which this requires a really even more aggressive, like what do I need for this Mm. game? What does Mm. this design demand? And how do I say that in a succinct yet clear way? Right. Uh, Uncompromising. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And and you don't have a lot of room for error. You know, there's a lot of games out there that have like, oh, here's five pages where they don't really know really what they're talking about, but oh well, because you're going to hit it clearly sometime later. Um, This form you don't have that. And that's really interesting. Like if, if you have a, if you have a typo in a 400 page book, no big deal. If you have a typo in 420 yeah. words, that yeah. can yeah. screw up the whole meaning of the, the yeah, yeah. 
team. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The weight of each word is is proportionally larger, right? When you only have yeah. have so few of them. So it sounds like there's almost a um, there's almost two things going for for nano games. You you can look at it as like Vincent said, as a great way to get started. Um, but also for perhaps experienced designers or people that want to be very specific about what they're doing as a really good way to create a laser focus for a very specific aspect of role-playing that you may perhaps want to explore in and of itself, but also perhaps as a piece of a larger project. Yeah, well, there's... um... I'm going to talk about Vincent's design a little bit here. Uh, There's an app-like... Uh, thing happening where um, your your games are so small and so tiny, you can create a bunch of related ones uh, and then let the user uh, put them together how they're needed or have them um, teach tools needed for the next one. Or right, right. Like, right. Um, so well, you, maybe Vincent could tell us about his games first because we've talked, yeah. I'll just run run down the, the list here because uh, Epi there... Um, has Vast and Starlet, which you guys can listen to, and it will play, not a play test, but a, a, run, a run through, maybe a public, yeah. public run through, um, uh, on episode 59, I think it is, or 58. Um, and Meg has a Valiant Girls, mm-hmm. and Vincent has got sort of a, a suite of games uh, and called The Sundered Land, right? And then and then tags are up on that. So, uh uh, which one of you would like to talk about yours first there, Meg or Vincent? Well, Meg's actually exists as, <laughs> as we're speaking. Um, well, there you go. I, I haven't then published Meg wins. Yes. at this moment, so <laughs> yeah. I think Meg better win. Publish or perish, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Valiant Girls comes directly out of my experience in Ethiopia. Uh, in the game Valiant Girls, that you play are Ethiopian girls. Right. And um, it's, uh, I, I don't ask me questions. It's, it's a teeny little well, game. I, I, mean, I didn't, yeah, well, I, I didn't, um, I didn't want to know too much about it so that I could, uh, so that I could uh, ask more from the viewer standpoint. But okay, so first sure. of all, um, does Valiant Girls require, and, and this is sort of goes to all three of you a little bit, but I'll, I'll focus it on me here. Um, does, a nano game, and in this particular case, Valiant Girls, can anybody pick it up and play it? Or is there a lot of role-playing shorthand in it where if you're unfamiliar with role-playing games, you may struggle to pick up the nuances of it? I could hand this to anyone. I mean, I could hand this to a girl in Ethiopia who has never seen a role-playing game, doesn't right. know what a D6 is, doesn't right. even have any concept beyond right. you make up, you, you, you have an idea and you talk about it. I mean, there's right. rules and structure, but that's one of the things that I like about the nano games is there's a very high degree of accessibility. Right. Um, I was able to hand um, Epi's uh, what is a role playing game yes. nano game yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, the mother of one of my friends. You know, I was dropping the kid and one of the teenagers off at to play role playing games at a friend's house, and right. another mom was there going, "What are they doing?" and Right. The kids are trying to explain it to her. I'm like, no, here, read. And she reads what is a role-playing game. Right, right. Like, oh, I understand this. You know, there's yeah. such high accessibility with these teeny things. Right, yeah. And so um, 
looking specifically at Valiant Girls then, so, um, and we'll come back to that point of accessibility a little bit later on. Yeah. So Valiant Girls, anybody can pick it up and play it. Uh, now, the second aspect, or at least the second um, maybe direction that nanogames may be useful is, is it targeted to teach something or is it just for fun? Um, I see the two is inexorably linked. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that are even things that we may think of like, oh, this is totally just for fun. There are mm-hmm. things that you are learning or teaching or practicing skills right. under that. Um, and a lot of the design under from the Ethiopia project that carries through to Valiant Girls um, follows that. But there are maybe things that I'm teaching, but it's not right. a teaching game. Right, sure. Yeah, you may get a chance through the role-playing experience to sure. act out some of those things that you're perhaps considering putting into practice in your real life but are concerned about the consequences or maybe uh, concerned about meeting resistance and then actually having experience dealing with that resistance in a low-stakes environment. Well, to, you know, more directly to the point, we really should talk about the Ethiopian project another time. Okay, um, well, well, yeah, that's fine. Okay, then not yeah. talking about that. Okay, so in Valiant Girls, uh, is it a contemporary setting? Is it setting heavy, it's setting, setting light? It, you, you can set it. The first game we played was this great because it was Epi and Vincent. And <laughs> right, sure. Um, and the first game we played was uh, some sort of space ranch colony cool. in the right. far edges of the universe. You know, because nice. Epi. I, I blame the brass buckle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is the, the cafe that we played in, which right. is a Western sci-fi themed cafe. Right. So nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with uh, so the game could be set anywhere, um, and is setting um, explicit or is that part of the game creation process? Part of game creation, and is. Sure. I mean, for for Vincent's games, it's, it's, the setting is much more, you know, this is the setting. Right, right. Okay, well, let's throw that aspect of it open. When writing a, a nano game, and we're not obviously not talking absolutes here, but we'll go with the three experiences that you have. Um, when writing a nano game, is there space for um, setting or is the development of the setting not only expedient in terms of the amount of space you have, but also in terms of that's actually a fun part of the game. Well, the, like, space is absolutely a concern. Like, um, in Vast and Starlet, uh, the setting in the main rulebook is just this sentence at the beginning that says, your uh, prisoners who've escaped from the merciful class stellar prison V917X. I think I've memorized it now. Um and that's it. Like, it just says, oh, on a ship of unknown origin. Right. Um, and and that tells you that you're in space, that you're probably criminals, you've probably done something wrong, uh, and now you're on the run. And that's that's all that I want you to know. If I wanted to give you more freedom, I would have had to dedicate, uh, in, in designing the setting, um, I would have had to dedicate space to that. And I do a little bit like there, there's the, where you can come up with the alien cultures and environments yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but like uh, having a set setting that you can imply with just a few words um, is a very strong and powerful thing for a nano game. Cause you only have right. a few words to work. With. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is that by tapping into existing um, things, like you can say, 
contemporary New York. You know, you've mm-hmm. just gone and hit and 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 done you know fifty thousand words worth of um, explanation, <laughs> right? Just like that, yeah. right? Okay, go ahead, Vincent, because yours is more setting heavy by the sound of things. <laughs> setting heavy, that's so cute. And then, man, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't actually believe in settings. Um, right, sure. It's, uh, <laughs> they believe in you, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they will be disappointed. Um, <laughs> it's, all about, it's all about imagery for me. And so, so right. in the Sundered Land, like, I spend precious words... Um, giving you a sense for the kind of imagery to create, and then right, uh, right. Uh, uh, the the Sunderland games are very question driven. The rules are all about who asks questions of whom and what questions to ask. Right, um, and those those questions are designed to provoke the players into uh, creating imagery. Um, right. And that's that's like that's what I believe settings are anyway. Um, right. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you give us an example then of um, what sort of uh, ways to evoke imagery? So, for somebody who's thinking about, well, you know, like I don't have a lot of words to dedicate to this, but I want to set this in a dystopian future with three particular things which are sort of restraining it. How would you go about? Um, trying to evoke that, or like if somebody were, were working on a nano game, how could they get started into that? Do you want to tackle that one, Vincent? <laughs> uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> uh, you have to make your you have to make your words do a lot of work. Every yeah. every word, um, every word you write has has multiple jobs and it has to be the right word to do all of them. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so naming things is really important. Um, in, in, uh, one of the Sundered Land games, um, you say that you're, you're a pilgrim, um, you're crossing through and you choose from a list, you're crossing through the gray Hills, which are inhabited by, um, the army of a king who is sworn to destroy you, right? Right. And and those are the two things you choose from a list. But from the combination of those two things, the the, the impulse to create imagery comes. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. For sure. That's really cool. Um, can I talk about that? Yeah. Sure. So the Doom Pilgrim, which is the G plus part of the uh Sunderland games uh um i'll, I'll just say uh sorry um <laughs> four four of the five are designed for face-to-face play and the fifth is designed to play over g plus right sure well if you want to give that a shot sometime let me know and we can maybe we can make that a show like with with vast and starlet uh, uh, it, no, it's played in G plus threads. But oh, oh, right. Um, Com- oh, the Doom, there you go. The Doom Pilgrim yeah. is, is it's for playing. It's super awesome. But I wanted to like in terms of setting because that was what we're talking about right now. Uh, right. I run the Doom Pilgrim on uh, G plus three times. Uh, right. I have these little setting things, and it, it's amazingly cool to pick. You know, here's the place. Am I in the Long Moors? I'm in Jagged Lands. Am I in the Grey Hills? And are there warring cl- tribes of cannibals are there mm. hyenas that sing are you right. know and and just combining two and then go 
Yeah, cheers. And yeah. with the Longmores, particularly, like choosing a placemate named Longmore. Okay, so I have to, I have all this imagery I can pull off the word more. Right, right, right. Heather, yeah. there's birds, there's flowers, whatever. Um, so the word choice becomes incredibly important setting wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it has to be evocative, it has to be yeah. exciting, it has to be engaging um, yeah. in ways that if you have two pages or a, a chapter to do setting, yes. um, it does, each word doesn't have to have the same compelling. Um, right. Yeah, that idea of this ambiguous ambiguity in your words, or triambiguity, or whatever the word is for multiple meanings of a of a of a word. I think, yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful. Uh, it's a powerful idea, and I think that English is well suited for that as well you know, as mm-hmm. a as a medium but, for getting this across. But but especially creating space between like choosing two unrelated things to create a tension and a space between them. Um, it's not just that the words are ambiguous, but that in combination, they yes. are uh, they evocative. They create spaces, yeah, they yeah. create questions, mm. they create things mm. where you want to, you want to find out. Um, yeah. you Your mind starts drawing lines between them and then you, you can see everything you cross while you do that, you know, like, uh, um, I uh, I probably brought this up in a past podcast, but I'm sitting in my library here, so uh, I had to pull out the uh, uh, opening line to F- Fritz Leiber's uh, Lankmar series because this one this is this is how you tell a setting in as few words as possible. Uh, he's talking about Nuon, which is a fantasy world, and it says, Sundered from us by gulfs of time and stranger dimensions, dreams the ancient world of Nuon with its towers, skulls, jewels, its swords and sorceries. Mm. And the towers, skulls, and jewels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like uh, there's more to that world than just towers, skulls, and jewels. And, right. and there's nothing specific about towers skulls or jewels that set that world apart from ours right. but you hear those three things and immediately you're like i know what that is i yes. i know where to go there I, there's adventure to be mm. found there yeah. and yeah. i might lose my skull while you <laughs> that's right yeah yeah that is that is true um, all right, yes. so yeah, yeah, so so we took a bit of a detour then. So we're just talking about valiant girls there again, uh, Meg. And I'm going to guess: is it required for the uh, players to be girls, or is it? No, a, no, no. no. Uh, the, the characters are girls. The players can be anybody. Uh, sure. Well, okay. Uh, let, let me rephrase it. Then. Uh, are the okay. is it a um, does it have an objective per se? And is it an objective necessary in a, in a nano game, given that? Um, you have a restricted amount of time to give people an idea of where to take it with so few words. Does it have an objective? Like do nano games in general and or more specifically your Valiant Girls, do they, do they have an objective? Cause Epi and I were talking about this at the start with, so we kind of sandbagged you a little bit there cause he's got some big guns on this, but um, <laughs> in, in your, uh, in your estimation at least and how you've used it for your game. For Valiant Girls, what happened is I'm riding along and I'm choosing each bit. Um, and, you know, the process of writing the nano game, I have a copy right here. Yay. Uh, <laughs> where, where can people get their nightskygames.com? It's Night right Sky at the games. top, right? Yep. right yeah. Right uh, 
so I'm writing and I'm doing that process of going back and forth and figuring like, is each word doing the double duty or the triple duty? And I'm writing along and I'm getting to, I get to play place where that's just what it is. That was just the next words came out. You know, your right. valiant is an Ethiopian girl. Right. Um, describe one way in which she's like you and one way in which she's different. Right. Right. This deal. Like, and this is part, part of that. Like, okay. So back to the teaching thing. Right. The part where, you know, is it teaching or is, what's the other teaching and fun. is it teaching and fun? Then okay. they're in, inter, twisted. This is the moment where maybe it's the teaching moment. Like, right. you, dude, playing this game. Yeah. Your character is an Ethiopian girl. Get over right. it. Yeah, yeah. Move yeah. On. yeah, yeah, right. And, yeah. and it's really much a moving on. It's like, I don't, you know, it's just, there's nothing, nobody, carry on. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to. Please. Crucially. <laughs> <laughs> um, your character is an Ethiopian girl who is like you in, in some, some way. way and yes. like you in some other right. way. Right, yeah. And the touch like, touch. There's, there's no denying that, right? Uh -huh. Yes, yeah, that's an absolute. So, um, and the setting comes in too, like the opening line, Epi talks about opening lines. Opening line of Valiant Girls, under the skies of Bahadar, you are watchful, you are strong, you are clever and loved. Now comes your time of action. So I'm saying things there. About like, yep. I'm saying things about the setting. I'm saying things about character. I'm yep. saying things about what have the potential to play that yes. may push you beyond your comfort zone into this tiny little book. Right, right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do I have an agenda with this? I certainly didn't sit down to have an agenda. I don't think, I, I don't right. think any of us sat down to have like, a point I yes think. well that's 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 sort of what i was getting at a little bit earlier on yeah. as well i'm trying to sort of meld those ideas together that's where amazing. the laser pointer that you talked about before is a perfect um analogy which i hadn't considered but you know like are you trying to you know to get to this laser focus point to explore the specific thing oh, 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 oh my god no 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 i got it i'm i'm so i'm so mad okay um like like your high school 11th grade English teacher says, what was uh, William Blake trying to say? Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. screw mm -hmm. that. William Blake wrote a poem. <laughs> right. That's what right. he tried to say, yes. and he succeeded, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you can't take a poem or a story or a game and distill it to a point that then you communicate in some like yeah. as though figuring out what the point of that poem if, uh, if that was the point of the poem if the point of the poem is not to figure out the point of the poem the point of the poem is to experience it to yeah. read it to reflect on it to yeah. and like if if i'm like um uh marriage can be a trap yeah yeah like that does not communicate if, if I say, Meg, Daniel, Epi, marriage can be a trap. That's not the same as <laughs> that gorgeous William Blake poem about how marriage can be a trap, right? Right, right. Yeah. So um, laser focus, in terms of laser focus and design, I'm not, like, that. It, it's more about, like, this is the part that I'm interested in. Design yes, yeah, I, yeah. Like, it, it's not necessarily, here is the point I'm going to make and here's how I'm going to make it. It's like, I, I want people to do these specific things. I want them to ask interesting questions. I want them to be inspired by these specific things around them. I want them to use, like, 
this is the uh, um, sort of end game I want. This is what I want the story to be about. That sort of focus, where you right. know what your focus is, as opposed to I'm going to write things. You know, so right. the in terms of there being a, a, a focus, a point, um, I. I'm writing a different thing now that has a specific focus and point about it's, um, about sex ed and birth control efficacy, but that's an entirely different design spec. Um, right. All of the games that I've seen, like our the three of us, um, Marshall Miller's games, uh, uh, Ben Lehman's games in development, that I, the bits that I've seen, it's because they're fun. It's because we have an idea. It's like, oh, I could do this, you know? Yes. Any any eleventh um, uh, grade English teacher approach to them is after the fact. Yeah, it, well, yeah, that's the thing is that I annoyed myself, Vincent, if it's any consolation by asking that question <laughs> because I had the exact same ideas when I was in English class and I was terrible at English because I was always like, you know what? People went along and watched this and they had a good time and you're making me not have a good time by looking really carefully at, at all the various, you know, like it's like watching, I don't want to watch sausage get made. I just want to eat the sausage, right? <laughs> and, and, and that's the that's the analogy sort of that. that yeah, I, there's also like there is a, there is a, a place for analysis. Sure. And, and mindfulness. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But not, not the first time you go through it when you're trying to sort of enjoy it, right? Sure, yeah. Um, okay, so let's look a little bit about um, – uh, is there anything else, first of all, you'd like to, to tease about? Because I'm trying not to be too specific about Valiant Girls um, and as much as with only 400 words, there's only so much you can't say when talking about it. Having... words. Whoa, that is big. I know, it's mad. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit more then about um can a can a uh is a nano game uh, uh a building block or is it a thing uh can it be a a, a sort of a thing in itself that can sustain uh, a, a a session for longer than say for example half an hour or three hours or whatever it might happen to be is that a reasonable goal for somebody writing a nano game Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's a reasonable goal. Um, also, uh, you wouldn't want to play Yahtzee for four hours. And Yahtzee is a wicked fun game. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, my parents do. So, <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to play Yahtzee? Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I had nothing planned this evening. Point taken. Yeah. Um, but, but so, like... I know that I know that for Baston Starlet, um, I've never played Baston Starlet for four hours, but right. I understand that that's part of your design goal. Mm -hmm. I understand that you you uh, intend that game to be playable over the long term, and I I have played hours upon hours upon hours of role playing, um, like serious months of regular play, on fewer rules than Baston Starlet has. Right. Um, so, like, I don't, I don't think there's anything about the nano publishing form, writing form, that, uh, that, that, like, I don't, I don't think the the connection between that and short playtime mm. is is essential. Like, I don't, uh, I, I, I think coincidentally or 
right. more strongly than coincidentally. Like, I think, I think it would take the right design to break that connection. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's any uh, inextricability there, right. if that makes sense. Um, sure. I would agree. Like, one of the things I'm doing on purpose in my role-playing design, like in my, uh, something I've been doing basically since I published Apocalypse World, like starting with Murderous Ghosts, let's say, um, is I have been bringing playtime down. And so I'm publishing a nano game or nano games now from that point of view, where for right. a couple of years now, I've been working to bring playtime down. And so mine play very quickly, but that's right. because that's what I, I'm trying to do, not because this form is... Uh, it doesn't right. necessitate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I like end games. So mine has an end game. Like this, you do this. Now you know it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of idea of it being contained is always satisfying. But the point there that is very important, I think, and I found this playing Vast and Starlet for sure, and some of the uh, uh, Sunderland things as well, that the the time frame. Uh, needs not to be um, mistaken for a story. That the story, like the, the, it, mm-hmm. the way that the way that the games, the nano games that I've played, um, fill up the story is amazing. Um, right, and that the time frame can be flexible. You know, it's, oh my God, that's an amazing... The um, Nano World Game of Clones uh, game that Epi and I played, which is Marshall Miller's game, um, that was awesome and terrifying and took oh, like disturbing. 20 minutes. It was really <laughs> disturbing, really yeah. cool. But it was there was a neat place with that. And it doesn't have an end game in, as such. And there was a neat place. And this is a skill that I think perhaps the Nano games as a, as a, a type of games may teach possibly that you can play to a satisfying conclusion you know we have a a a distant shadow echo pattern in the hobby of you just keep playing Mm. you know the campaign it just of course you just keep going instead of recognizing when a story has filled up when the story is full right 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 Um, right and the game that and I played of Nano World, you know, we could have kept playing. We saw the trajectory, like yes. this becomes totally horrific. Could mm-hmm. be awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. But we decided it was like this. This is the full story. Awesome story. Set. Right, done. Right. Cool. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, um, and it leaves space for you to think about it afterwards as well, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's another of those design spaces between the words. It's also between games and mm. leaving leaving you as a player in a place where you are in some way stimulated. You know, mm. you've had mm. a good story. Mm. You've right. engaged in an interesting creative process that instead of leaving you feeling like you left, like, Bleh. like, oh God, okay, now I gotta go do this and then I'll come back and play next week and just keep doing right, it. Right, chugging I love away, Campaigns, campaigns that work like that, that are awesome, that you cannot wait to get back to, those are super. 
I'm so, those are fantastic. Mm. But something that fills up the whole story in a short time and you go away going, man, that was great. That was creepy. I don't know what happened with that. That was cool. Um, right. It's like like reading a really good short story or seeing a yeah. really good movie and that's right. it. We're done. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's the, the, um, the, like you say, leaving that space. I'm more and more a fan of as I go along. Like when I was younger, I was like, but no, like you haven't finished the story that you can't leave it there. Don't, you know, I'd like to, how about you tell me what happened? Cause I like, <laughs> cause I'm not, I'm not really there. And then I think, uh, and I've probably spoken about it before, but I'll go ahead and say it again. I think the end of um, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption as written by Stephen King. Um, I think that in uh, Stephen King books go into films for me, at least pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way they ended Shawshank, the movie, I think, was actually better than the way they ended the book. Like, I like that, the whole imagery of the you know, endless Pacific Ocean and him walking up and him on the boat. And you're like, you know, mm. what's the conversation stuff going to be like? And, and and the conversation that they could have written would never have been as good as mm. um, as what I imagined in my head it might be like and the emotions that might be involved in that. Mm-hmm. But when I read the book, without him, without Stephen King talking about that, it was harder for me to to, in my own head, segue into that scene. Like, mm-hmm. the scene had been set, and then I can imagine the dialogue, but without the scene even being set, that, may, that for me at least, that was why uh, Shawshank, the film, was uh, superior to the to the book, at least in the in it ending left space. It left, it left space for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah oh, that's right. Yeah, there, was a, there was a container for me to put my scene mm-hmm. into, whereas in the book, that, that, scene, didn't, that scene didn't exist. And so... Um, yeah, so I'm more and more enamored with the idea of leaving space in the game and even outside the game for, for the sort of things that uh, that could happen. Um, okay, my next bit uh, here, um, we've got a little bit of time left, is uh, you're pretty rarefied air there in, uh, in northern Massachusetts. Is it, dif- <laughs> is it difficult... Is, is it difficult for you to, um, and this, and, and I'd, I'd like you to talk a little bit more broadly about this, well, in a playtesting sense, is it more difficult to get a read on how a nano game is going to go? Because I know that, at least for me, if I were if I were writing a nano game, which is not to say that it wouldn't be important, but I wouldn't put six months or a year and in, intense playtesting into something which is four hundred words. I'm going to make it. And then yeah. I'm going to put it out there and it's going to either die or it's going to inspire or it's going to be played by people. But how do you guys, given that you're not going to go and take this to a con and you're going to fine tune every last word um, and that with feedback from other people, um, how do you get a sense of how that's going to play out um, when you've got people around you who are aware of your shorthand, who know how to make a, a, a cool story happen? Like, uh, um, how, do you, how do you do that? And then tested in a broader sense as well. Well, I think the the other part of the equation is that we have people that are all experienced at going through the playtesting process and rigmarole, like with their own games. uh, We've all have experience looking for for gaps in the games. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, like, uh, yeah, we, we may all be pretty good role players i i don't uh i'm not gonna make any claim one way or the other that way um i mean i certainly enjoy role playing with with the bakers for instance and and emily care uh my wife um but like uh the we have this this uh uh 
we're, we're still able to help each other out uh, using the experience of like knowing uh, when a game is going to break down or when it would break yeah. down for anyone. When, when we're bringing our own skills to make the game go forward uh, and, and, you know, pointing out, Hey, that's a thing that's happening. Maybe that's something that should be a rule or, right. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, play testing. <laughs> um, that's, uh, playtesting is a big topic. Um, and a lot of, oh, how am I going to say this? A lot of people have a vision, uh, everybody, if you ask them, every, <laughs> every gamer has a vision of what playtesting means. Yep. And just like every gamer has a vision of what game design looks like. Right. And overwhelmingly, it's not what it looks like. Um, True. Uh, and, you know, you're asking us, have we really tested to make sure these games work when you're not Vincent Baker, right? Or when you're not... Yeah, 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 for sure. In a way, I suppose, sure. Yeah, let's put it like that. Um, And, like, that's... The answer is yes. Yeah. Sure. Um, But don't don't bring assumptions to what that process looked like to the question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the answer the answer is yes, we've retested. Um but the the each individual game has its own demands for what playtesting requires. Okay. Like what playtesting means is different yes. from game to game to game. Yes. And um whatever process you're thinking of of playtesting, yeah. um you the listener, you uh mm-hmm my fellow designer um, sure. for your own games, whatever, whatever process you're thinking that my game required, it probably required a different process right. and yeah, yeah. nobody's in a position to second guess that. Exactly. But that, given yeah. that, given that there comes a point as, as a designer and a publisher where you say, I assert that this game is worth your $1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And if yeah. you disagree that's a different conversation and we can have that conversation yes. after you have assessed that for yes. yourself. You yeah. see what I mean? Um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so like, have I tested to make sure that the Sunderland games always work for everybody who is not Vincent Baker? The answer is no, of course I haven't tested that. Yeah. Have I yeah. tested them to the point where I'm willing to assert that each one is individually worth a dollar? Yes. I have tested them to that point. <laughs> yeah. That's the it's thing. Also- Go ahead. Uh, a little bit there about um, the playtesting and the, the design experience and the places experience and like like Epi touched on, you know, we bring a lot to bear. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's 15 years of playtesting and design mm, mm. testing and yeah, going, yeah. oh, that's crap. We're not going to show that to anybody. You know, all that sort of thing. And the most frustrating thing is each game demands its own separate, different stuff it would be great if you could just go oh well that's gonna work because of this no each each Mm. game like each of the sunderland games 
needed different pieces examined for that. Yep. No, yeah, I mean, and that's the yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, uh, coming at that necessarily from the standpoint of you have not done your due diligence, how do you? No, that's, that, that's very clear. Yeah, no, but, that was not the. But do understand that that's a thing that people say to us. Yeah. Right, right. It, we're obviously being coy or uh, not the point, but defensive uh, for a reason. I'm being defensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but that's the thing is that I'm hoping to sort of, um, in my small way, shed some light on the fact that we're talking about a game which has been written. Um, where the charge is, is $1. And if you yeah. get one idea out of reading it, then you've got your, your money's worth, which is not to say that Vincent Baker or, yeah. or Meg Baker or Epidai Rivershaw's ideas are necessarily worth a dollar each time you have one, but you're presenting oh. a, a, tiny little, <laughs> a tiny little thing which you can buy if you want and not buy if you don't want on the understanding that this is 400 words, not and you didn't spend X number of, of dollars on it, which is not to say no expectations, but at the same time... Well, yeah, Have I said something? Did I say something there? The value of <laughs> if we were to charge what these games are worth. Yeah, the cost yeah. of a thing is not the value of a thing. The page uh, count or word count of a thing is not a, not the value of a thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, a, a big deal right there. Um, <laughs> the other... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, like, so um, the hard way uh, is to give Aston Starlet there are two ways. The easy way is to walk up to me and hand me a dollar and I'll give you the game. The hard way is to send me a self-addressed stamped envelope with a drawing and a dollar for each of the game books that you want. And the reason why I did the hard way was um, because of this value problem. Um yeah. The less money we uh, – free games people ignore. Uh, my hard drive is full of free games that I've pulled off the internet yep. or that have been given to me via uh, a, a – you know, like where you – like a charity bundle or, you know, sure. stuff like that that, that I, I don't look at. Even if I want to play them, <laughs> as yeah, an yeah. American consumer, I can't. Because yep. I have not <laughs> put value in them by putting yep. money into them. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, so, you know, when I had Vast and Starlet, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to get anyone to spend more money on this. Like, I can't charge anyone $20 for a folded business card and and not get, you know, punched at a con or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I can charge them a dollar uh, and I can get rid of them, but I won't have anyone playing them unless I do something else. Right. Unless unless I get them to value it some other way. So right. having them draw these these pictures was a very sp specific thing on my part to to get people to invest in the game before they even get it um, to increase the odds of people playing the game. Right. Also, it's really cool to see everybody's art. Yeah, because yeah, there's, that's a, true. there's another thing there that the art does, which is similar to the uh, Marshall Miller's uh, asking people to send a haiku if they want to. Right. Right, 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 right. Um, there's another part there, which is opening up other people's creative process. And Change the cat litter. I know what that means. Change the cat litter. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> Epi's cat box alarm went off. Um, so, but the other, the other thing that Epi did with doing it the hard way, uh, and I think one of the things that a lot of the nano games do is um, 
open up, really, really, really open up uh, to other people's creativity in ways mm -hmm. they might not expect. Yep. Uh, having people send in sketches for Vast and Starlet to mail off a, st a, a stamped off address envelope, which how fun is that? It's like so retro. So space age. It evokes you know, the feeling of Star and Starlet. Yeah, and all the question stuff from the Doom Pilgrim games where what we're saying in part of this is just do a thing. You just mm. just draw a spaceship. Yep. Just say what makes my pilgrim uh, alerted to danger. Right. Just right, right. just you know, come play, come be part of the process, yep. come contribute. Right. Design, right. create uh Aliens, sunrise, you know, whatever, you know, and it's amazingly cool uh, mm -hmm. because it makes the uh, it, it it helps build a reciprocal process where right. we're putting forth a design and a game in a little way that you can carry with you always, and mm -hmm. what you do back is draw a spaceship or answer some questions or write a haiku. Um, People have asked, Marshall and a couple of other people have asked, so what's what's the hard way? How can I get a hard copy of Valiant Girls? I'm like, I figure it, I'll figure it out. I don't know. It's probably yeah. been in Twitter. I don't know. So that's a really interesting part because it, the investment happens, yes. you know, that we're investing in each other mm -hmm. through these games, through these little games, then through these little pieces of time, and through these little stories that we create, and through the ways that we exchange, here is my design idea and yeah. you invest your creativity and then yeah. something is made a story exists that didn't before and that's cool yeah for sure so have you had people so I, i'm wondering if this is actually I, I wasn't sure if this has happened but have you had people questioning like how can you call this a game which only has so few words and you haven't spent three years on it like has that been a conversation which you're aware uh of or only people who haven't seen them. Yeah, but people yeah. who haven't seen them yet, they're like, oh, is, this must be, this, this is some sort of exercise, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the people who've seen the games, um, like the feedback that I'm getting from like people who I have, I have no idea who these people are, like haven't heard of them before, they commented on, uh, on, on Valiant Girls and said, wow, this is, this is a lot of, lot of design in such a little space. I'm like, mm hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it, um, it, yeah. The, the response that I get is almost always uh, uh, nobody is saying that ahead of time. They're just assuming that it might it, that it's a joke or something like that. Yeah. I think particularly coming from Epi, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> "Oh, he's he's trying to put one over on us or something." And then and then they get it, and then they say, "Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> like that's a game. I didn't realize that." Right. Right. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, Vincent? Any further thoughts? Well, I haven't published mine yet, so we'll find out. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You hope you've got I'm, a little special hate. A, a lot of what the hell is Vincent doing? What's he trying to do? What's he trying right. to pull? Yeah, uh, right, you know, it's like a fast one. So um, at the start of the, uh, before we started recording, um, Epi and I were talking about um, the difference between a nano game and a parlor game. And I wonder whether the last few minutes we might talk about how you would go about using a nano game maybe and uh, what you think that uh, nano games might spawn in the, uh, in the future. 
I know it's sort of three ideas, but let's talk about the di- difference uh, because parlor games have sort of been mentioned in that in that context. I've got nano games. Well, if, uh, I'll go for it. Okay, uh, if by parlor games one means things like um, I don't know charades and uh, authors and you know like all these I don't know these things. As a... Yeah, yeah, you know these different things where it's like a, a parter a parley a party game thing people talking ish ness um are they like that no i don't think so oh i was gonna say yeah they're totally like i don't i just to me <laughs> this is how you play a nano game you take this with you you go to call co- you go to get coffee with a friend and you're like oh hey let's play this game and you open it up and while you're drinking coffee at the coffee shop you play a little game and then you go home yeah, um, like all games are games, right? Yeah, I think when I hear parlor game, what I think of is is a, a, a larger group, and I think of a, a di- lots of different stuff going on. Um, so maybe just a, a a word thing. Words, so many meanings. Well, anyway, so many- one of the things that I like about nano games is uh, that they're easily weaponized. Um, you you can. Uh, <laughs> Fold the, your into pipe airplanes? Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, you have only uh, four to 500 words uh, or you know, 515 if you want to write a novel about it. Um, Don't ask me so, how long mine are. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, you, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to call this a nano game anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, can, you can sneak it onto and into things that you... Uh, okay, so... Meg has a game called Valiant Girls uh, that's 515 words, and it's about playing Ethiopian girls, right? Um, or at least you have to play Ethiopian girls in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she had written a 515-page book and charged, uh, you know, like a trade paperback size, mm-hmm. wait, that's actually still a 200-page book, 120-page book, whatever, and charge oh. people $15, $20 for it, uh, she, people wouldn't, there would be a certain number of sales, and then that would have been it. It would, would have, like, people are more likely to give it a try because of how, how inexpensive it is and also how little time they need to dedicate to reading the rules, right? Right, that is the and, thing, yeah, yeah. And then uh, people, like gamers, hardcore gamers know that uh, if there's less investment on their part in reading the rules, there's less investment that needs to be made to convince their friends to play along with them, right? right. Like the, the power of being able to open your wallet and drop a nano game on a table... In, in a coffee shop and be like, let's go um, and have people go, yeah, let's do this. You know, like that's anyways. So that's what I mean by like, you know, it, it's, it can get further and deeper and, and there, with less uh, commitment on the, on the side of the player uh, right. to, to so, like meeting every week or whatever. Go, sorry. Uh, I, uh, we were, we were at a, a pub couple of weeks ago, Abby, um, mm-hmm. and one of our friends said, so Vincent, this nano game thing, show me. And I didn't have an excuse. I was like, but, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and so we played there while we were waiting for our, our food to arrive. Um, 
And, you know, that way to communicate a game uh, by actually playing it. Um, yeah. Un unobtrusively. Like, uh, that's what you mean by weaponized, right? Yeah, right, yes. It, yeah. I, I went to a conference with a bunch of uh, teachers and professors who are, were looking to get games into uh, the classroom and trying to figure out how to make that work. And most of it was... Uh, well, I shouldn't say most of it. I'm sorry. Generally speaking, when you hear that, people are talking video games or mm -hmm. they're talking about gamification where you get experience points for earning A's, which uh, uh, I don't want to even get into that. But um, uh, <laughs> and I got there and, and a lot of the people at the convention, like their experience with role playing games begins and ends around D&D. &D, right. Like right. that's about the extent of it. And uh I could hand them what is a role-playing game, and I did, and you could see it dawning on them, like that this is something they could print out, hand out in the classroom, or they could do a, a PowerPoint right in the front, you know, uh, it takes all of five minutes to teach the rules, and then you're off running scenarios that uh, whatever is important to the class at the time, you know, like... Um, it was really easy to convey something like I gave a bunch of copies of what is a role-playing game to my mom who then, who, who doesn't know how role-playing works to begin with, right. who then went and explained what role-playing was to my aunt <laughs> with it. Right, right, like, right. I feel like I've accomplished something there. Like that, that's not a, uh, that's not a thing that I thought if you said in the year 2013, <laughs> right, right, you would be able to have your mom teach your aunt what a role playing game is. I would have been like, yeah, "That's some crazy bullshit future stuff." Right, right, yeah. <laughs> that's science fiction. That's what yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, and so, uh, just so to wrap up, then, uh, where do you think, uh, or what do you think, may come from uh, nano games or these sort of highly? Um, these smaller but very focused pieces <laughs> of role playing. Uh, two things. One is lots more nano games. Right. Uh, some of them will be excellent. Uh, some of them will be not so excellent. I think more of them will be excellent than not because right. of the process of distilling your words down. You can. Mm. I, I suspect that people who are at the beginning of their design path you know who are just starting to design games the the constraints here will i hope allow them to see where the the holes are more i don't know this but i have hope that that will be something because if you're if you are just starting out as a designer you're like okay i'm gonna make a nano game here's my idea the process of trying to get the whole game down in that little amount of space hopefully will help that mm. not all of them are going to be great because not all i mean that's that's just a true thing you know all of something is not great um so that's one thing i hope and i also think that that this uh design format will um help in, will inform at least some people's design going forward for larger projects right like, all right how do i say a thing succinctly and evocatively um, in a way that engages other people's creative input um, to 
to address the questions that I want to address in this game. Right. Yeah, that, that investment, like you're getting the players to do some of the heavy lifting. Last thoughts, Vincent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we haven't even talked about what it means for me. Like I've been, I've been working for 10 years, 12 years, actively trying to help my fellow designers design games, right? Um, this, is, this is part of what I've been doing all along. And um, to be able to say, oh, that's a good question. Hold on a second. Here's a game. Right, um, right. Oh my God, do you remember 10 years ago when that's all everybody was doing? It's like, I have a point I want to make. I have to make a game to demonstrate but that But those point. had to be 64-page games. Like, that was 64-page that was yes. <laughs> games. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, I think that the format brings the um, barriers to entry lower and lower and lower, ever lower. The, the cost of now... Um, becoming a, a, a participant in game design. A participant in game design is lower, and that that always means good things. That mm -hmm. always means more diversity in the designs. It mm -hmm. always means more diversity in the, the designers. The designers. Um, yeah. It means we're going to start hearing voices we've never heard before. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, like we were, we were joking about how awesome it's going to be in five years when there's this little surge in role playing game design of Ethiopian women who are now designing games. Oh like my this. God. I hope that happens. Please, please, please. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Any final thoughts there, Epi? Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, whip out a metaphor I've been using the past few days that, that Megan Vincent have heard. Uh, um, when we think of uh, the potential audience, uh, meaning not just gamers, uh, not just role players, uh, but anybody in the world who would ever possibly play a role-playing game, like including everyone's parents and everyone's aunts and uncles and, and all that. We, If we think about that as an ocean um, and that the hobby is a beach and this ocean comes up and it, it crests as waves and it crashes down onto that beach, we want to make sure that there's beach there for wherever that wave lands, right? Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that there's, and, and in the beginning we had D and D, which is way up beach, you know, where the scrublands are and whatnot. And uh, there's a little bit of water that reached up there and, and well, I shouldn't say a little bit, millions, millions mm -hmm. of molecules uh, that, that, that uh, made it all the way up that way. But now we're, we're heading down towards the surf more and more. And, uh, uh, I can't wait to see games of all different sizes, like uh, nano games of, uh, you know, like we're, we're talking about games around four to 600 words here. Like, uh, I can't wait to see a game of 2000 words, you know, or, or whatever, like wherever people comfortably want to land when, when their wave hits the beach. That makes perfect sense. Uh, I want to thank my guest today, Epidiah Ravishol. Meg Baker and, uh, and Vincent Baker. And uh, until next week, Yay. keep talking the walk.